flashlight of the morning I can see on flooring lying over me In the flashlight of the morning This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry and a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening in. As the Paris climate talks continue hammering out a deal to reduce our use of fossil fuels and, well, thereby slow global economic growth, which, let's face it, runs on carbon dioxide-based electricity, I've been doing a series of podcasts on climate science. The first was called Do You Even Science, Bro? The second was called Words Have Meaning Climate Edition. I encourage you to listen to both of those if you haven't already, and feel free to share them with your friends out there on the information superhighway, especially anyone who, who believes in this 97% consensus, who believes in man-made global warming. This is information they need to hear, and, and frankly, it's not available in a lot of sources. So hopefully these podcasts can help. This episode is about the UN's climate models. Here's the truth. The models are wrong. They've been proven wrong in two separate and significant ways. The models are wrong in magnitude and in methodology. And what's most important, the models are so wrong, they have no predictive value. I'm going to go over what all three of those things mean. Let's start with magnitude. The UN's climate models say the world should be warmer than it currently is. Magnitude. They say it should have warmed up faster and more consistently than it has. The raw data from our satellite-based temperature records shows there has been, listen, no global warming for the past 18 years and nine months. None. People who believe in and promote the idea of catastrophic man-made global warming call this period without warming a hiatus or a pause. They insist that temperatures will go back up soon, any day now. It's going to happen. Just wait for it. Keep watching. I believe this is a plateau, and I'm, I'm going to get into that in a later podcast, why I think this is more of a peak than, than a, a pause. That's coming up in about two podcasts from now. But here's why the pause, I'm doing air quotes. I know you can't see them. They're they're air quotes. Here's why the pause is significant. Dr. Philip Jones of the University of East Anglia in England is one of the chief architects of those UN climate models. In an interview in 2005, Dr. Jones said that a lack of statistically significant global warming for a period of 15 years or greater would be inconsistent with the climate models. Basically, in science speak, he was saying that a pause, a pause of 15 years would prove the models are incorrect, that there was something going on the models weren't picking up. Even if you accept that NOAA and NASA's recent temperature tampering of the surface record is perfectly valid, which I do not, the adjusted temperatures show some increase but not as much as the climate models say there should have been. Even when you cheat, you still fall short. The data for this entire century and the last decade of the last century do not line up with the predicted value based upon the idea that carbon dioxide will create a runaway climate catastrophe. When that happens in science, you don't throw out the data. You abandon the theory. It's not just the magnitude. It's also the methodology. The methodology is also wrong. The way 
the the climate has warmed back when it was warming is different than the way the models say it should have warmed. The idea that carbon dioxide will create a runaway greenhouse effect depends upon help from other greenhouse gases, specifically water vapor. The theory is that as carbon dioxide warms in the atmosphere, it also warms up water vapor, which then in turn warms carbon dioxide. You get this loop, this feedback loop. They just keep going on each other and, and making each other warmer. See, I've never really thought that was a, a smart idea because it, it ignores the water cycle. As water vapor warms, it rises. As it rises, it automatically cools. In meteorology, we call that adiabatic cooling. Well, the cooling water vapor condenses into liquid or even solid water and then eventually falls in the form of rain. That precipitation then has an even larger cooling effect on the atmosphere, and your runaway temperature cycle falls apart in a simple afternoon shower. Anyway, if the climate models are correct, then the runaway process should be taking place in a specific part of the atmosphere today. Because of where most of the water is in our atmosphere, it should be taking place in the upper part of the troposphere, in the tropics and equatorial regions. In other words, it should be occurring in the top part of the atmosphere where weather occurs between the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer. The top portion of the bottom part of the atmosphere around the middle of the Earth. Does that make sense? All right. In 2007, the UN's own climate assessment report stated that since 1958, there has been more warming, not where the hotspot was expected, but at the surface of the Earth. Not, not in the atmosphere where the models say it should have, but close to the ground. When you look at a plot of the data, it's actually not just the surface in general, but more specifically, the surface of the northern hemisphere, where most of the land is. That's where most of the warming occurred in the second half of the 20th century. And again, I'm going to get to why that's important about two podcasts from now. The UN's own report on the data shows the real world isn't matching their computer-generated world of climate models. The real world doesn't match the computer world. Reality isn't wrong. The computer models are. Now, as a meteorologist, I work with computer models of weather all the time. Some of these models go out a few hours. Some go out three days. Others go out a week or more. Here's a, a, a dirty little secret the public doesn't know. Those fancy computer models your weatherman shows you every night in the 10 o'clock news, every single one of them is wrong. Every weather model is wrong in some way from the moment they are published. A temperature is off in one location or the wind speed is slightly off every time. And the models become more wrong over time because those initial errors simply compound upon themselves. They are wrong because of an old computer programming adage, garbage in, garbage out. We can't give the computer models perfect information about the weather because we don't have perfect information. We sometimes have to use a single surface weather station to approximate the temperature and humidity for an area that covers hundreds of miles. Weather balloons have to approximate data for regions that cover thousands of cubic miles. We can't put perfect data in 
so we will never get perfect data out. But that's okay. Why? Because while every weather model is wrong, they are still useful. They can highlight trends. They can show how the overall atmosphere is moving and predict when that will change. They aren't perfectly correct, but they can point a good meteorologist in the right direction. The key to being a great forecaster is to figure out how the weather model is wrong, why it made that error, and to adjust for it in your forecast. So our weather models are wrong, but they're still useful. Our climate models aren't just wrong, they're useless. They didn't pick up on the pause. They can't account for changes in volcanoes that, and, they, and the effect that that will have on climate. They can't account for the circulation of the oceans. They can't account for the long-term effect of cloud cover or precipitation. And most importantly, they can't account for changes in solar activity, changes within the sun. They are essentially one-way machines. As carbon goes up, temperature goes up. Again, garbage in, garbage out. Why should we risk the global economy on garbage?